Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. Today is Wednesday. It is the 7th of September. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. An Iowa judge has dismissed a lawsuit alleging open records law violations by auditor of the state, Rob Sand. The Iowa Capital Dispatch reports the court concluded the emails that a conservative law firm had sought to obtain were properly maintained as confidential and withheld from disclosure. The court granted Sand's request for summary judgment dismissing the case. Sand had told the court his office's efforts to protect taxpayers would be kneecapped if he was forced to disclose communications with whistleblowers. The emails in question were requested last year by the Kirkwood Institute. That's a self-described conservative public interest law firm. The Kirkwood Institute acknowledged it requested the emails as part of its own investigation into what it called the potential political overtones of Sands' 2021 report on Governor Kim Reynolds' appearance in public service announcements about COVID-19. In arguing for dismissal of the lawsuit, lawyers for Sands' office claimed their requested records could be lawfully withheld. There will be at least one debate between Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds and her Democratic opponent Deidre DeGier before the November election. IPR's Michael Leland has more. Reynolds and DeGier will meet for a live debate on Monday, October 17th from the Iowa PBS studios in Johnston. The network says Iowa press host Kay Henderson will moderate with questions coming from a panel of journalists that will not be a studio audience. So far, this is the only debate confirmed between the two candidates. Last month, DeGier called on Reynolds to agree to at least three debates. At the time, the Reynolds campaign would only say the governor was happy to debate and would work on details as fall approached without committing to a specific number. Officials in southwest Iowa's Glenwood area are discussing what may happen to the property once the state facility that provides residential care to adults with intellectual disabilities is closed in 2024. Devin Embry is the superintendent of Glenwood Schools. He says his district had developed plans to build a new elementary school, but they're now evaluating whether a building on the Glenwood Resource Center campus can be renovated. And so we've kind of taken that into consideration to see if that's possible. And it, from all accounts, it appears that it will actually cost way less to do that than to try to build a new building on a new site. So the board's going to be considering that action moving forward here this fall sometime. He says the state would have to agree to turn over a building that's ready for development. The Glenwood Resource Center campus covers a 1,000 acres, and at one time the middle school for the Glenwood Community School District was on the property. The Glenwood School District has just under 2,000 students, and officials are concerned about enrollment losses as employees at the Glenwood Resource Center leave the community for work elsewhere. The University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics says it will end its intensive inpatient treatment for people with severe eating disorders this fall. IPR's Zachary Oren-Smith has details. 22-year-old April Bannister has anorexia. It's an eating disorder characterized by unhealthily low body weight and a fear of gaining weight. During dangerous episodes, she's been admitted to the hospital for monitoring. Most recently in July, her therapist confronted her about being severely underweight. That day, she committed Bannister to her seventh hospital stay. Last week, Bannister says she learned the UIHC was closing the eating disorder program's inpatient services to meet growing mental health care needs. She will be among the last to receive inpatient care. It's it's terrifying, quite honestly. You know, this this program 
while it has its issues, it does save lives. It might only seven times each time that I've been admitted. UIHC says partial hospitalization and outpatient programming will remain for people with eating disorders. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Support for IPR comes from The Healing Room at Upstream Functional Medicine, offering medical spa services that support the body's natural ability to detoxify from environmental challenges. Learn more about The Healing Room at upstreamfm.com. Some Midwest states are already taking steps to crack down on abortion. These restrictions will likely affect people of color the most, in particular the black community. IPR's Natalie Krebs reports many are concerned about the impact on black maternal mortality and the risk of criminalization. Black women nationwide seek abortions at a rate that's more than three times higher than white women. The reasons why fall under one general umbrella, structural racism. Monica McElmore is with the Center for Anti-Racism and Nursing at the University of Washington. She says this structural racism means society ultimately has set up black Americans so they have less tools to support children. They're more vulnerable to things like living in poverty and intimate partner violence. If you don't have the financial and social supports to be able to parent, an abortion seems like a relatively decent option for you. McElmore says structural racism also means Black Americans are set up to be less prepared to prevent unintended pregnancies in the first place due to things like having lower rates of insurance coverage. So when you think about just insurance access uh, allows people to have, you know, access to health care and other preventative health services, things like contraception. Now, in a post-Roe world, Macklemore and other experts worry new abortion restrictions will only create more obstacles for the Black community going forward. Rachel Hardiman is the director of the Center for Anti-Racism Research for Health Equity at the University of Minnesota. She says to start, many Black people who live in states with restrictions could have a harder time getting abortion care, which may involve travel. They're disproportionately in that lower-income category only having access to jobs, for instance, that don't offer paid leave or don't offer time off to do, you know, to access um, the care that they need. Ultimately, Hardiman says this could lead to more Black mothers dying. Maternal mortality rates nationwide for Black women are already three times higher than what they are for white women. And this disparity persists across education levels. When you have more people that are forced to be pregnant, you have more people in the risk pool for adverse outcomes, right? And so from a sheer numbers perspective, what we're going to see is um, rising rates, continued rising rates of maternal mortality. A peer-reviewed study published last year predicted the rate of Black women who would die from pregnancy-related causes would increase 33 percent in the years following a total abortion ban. That's compared to just 21 percent for the general population. No Midwestern states have enacted a total ban so far, but some, including Missouri and Wisconsin, are close. Luana Nelson-Brown is the executive director for the Iowa Coalition for Collective Change, an anti-violence group. Her concerns venture outside of health care. She says people in states that restrict abortion could be criminalized for seeking care, which, once again, could disproportionately affect Black communities. What we're really looking at is criminalizing women for their own bodily autonomy, right? Um, And so what that could look like is um, criminalization of women for their reproductive health. This is something that also concerns Jasmine Burnett. 
She got an abortion as a young college student in Indiana in the late 90s. She says it changed her life for the better. I'm thankful that my abortion provided me with that opportunity to be very embodied and very clear in my life. And I've had a beautiful life and I've had a very a life that I've chosen. Burnett, who has made a career working in abortion rights, says upon hearing about the U.S. Supreme Court decision, she got upset thinking about how other black people might no longer have the same choice and control over their bodies the way she did. And I was also crying because I was like, people are going to die. People are going to die trying. Burnett says she's at a point now where she's spending a lot of time listening to the black community's concerns about abortion. And she says that's what lawmakers should be doing, too. I'm Natalie Krebs, IPR News. This story is part of our collaboration with SideFX Public Media and the Midwest Newsroom. This is Here First from IPR News. You can find this podcast wherever you subscribe to them. I'm Clay Masters. Thanks for listening. <laughs>